The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, April 27th, perhaps late, perhaps earlier if you're watching us on YouTube. We are uh, set up at youtube.com slash pick six, and you can view us live on Monday, April 26th, if you're so inclined. This is our draft mailbag with Ryan Wilson and John Breach. What's up, fellas? Hey, hey, hey. I feel like I've spent a lot of time with you, Brinson, while Breach has been off going to the park, hanging out with his daughter, living, getting a haircut finally. Thank God for that, Breach. You know what, Wilson? You shamed me into getting a haircut. If anybody's watching on YouTube, you look at Friday's show, you look at today's show, I, uh, there's seven pounds of hair. I went six, five, six months without getting a haircut, guys. The, uh, other thing that Ryan, is, I'm going to mail the hair to you. Sorry. And then you can put it on your head and we'll look alike. I will accept that hair and wear it. Can you imagine if you open up an envelope and a, pile, a huge pile of hair fell over your with hands? John, with John Breach's return address? Yes, I can. <laughs> Coming up on the podcast, bold predictions plus burning questions for the 2021 NFL draft as we get ready for Thursday night's action. We will have a recap show each night after the draft, the day's events have concluded, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we will be streaming live on YouTube for that. For pick six, so go to youtube.com slash pick six. Subscribe. We really appreciate it if you help out. So I also mentioned that the fantasy football today crew will be live as well for all three days of the draft, breaking down the fantasy impact of the picks. Join CBS fantasy analyst Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, NFL, uh, NFL analysts like Pete Prisco and Ryan Wilson, plus former players like Brady Quinn and Brian McFadden on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday on the fantasy football today YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Get your questions answered in the chat room and start your 2021 fantasy football prep early. Remember everything live on youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Should be a really exciting draft show. Can't wait for it. That was your cue to, to point out that it will be exciting, Ryan, because you'll be on it. It will be exciting because I will be on it in Cleveland with BMAC, Amory Hunt, Jonathan Jones coming to you live from, uh, somewhere near downtown i'm not exactly sure of the details lake live erie ryan a, live from the bottom of lake erie coated in john breach's hair it's ryan wilson right yeah covered in yeah uh more than likely <laughs> more than likely you'll be on top of a parking deck somewhere in the greater cleveland metro ryan have you area. ever been to cleveland no i was actually thinking about this i have been to cincinnati for a wedding uh back in the day breach um oh you're gonna have to compare and contrast those cities next yeah week. actually i was surprisingly happy with uh cincinnati it was it was a nice little uh, fun town. I lived in Pittsburgh at the time, so they're similar. Like Pittsburgh and Cincy felt similar. I would imagine Pittsburgh and Cleveland are going to feel similar as well. I, think I mean, one of, I mean but one of them's on a giant lake and one's well, not. <laughs> Cleveland's on Lake Erie. Cincinnati's on the Ohio River. But the funny thing is, uh, Brian McCarthy, the NFL PR guy, tweeted out a picture of the draft setup and there was a giant, you know, there's the water in the background, the lake in the background. And apparently, apparently enough people thought it was an ocean. 
that he literally sent out another tweet and he's like, everyone, this is not an ocean. It is Lake Erie. So that is how uh, nobody knows anything about Cleveland is, is what I learned this week. Well, the thing about giant lakes is that think about lakes, you know, so famous lakes. If you're a famous lake, you're so big that you can't see the other side. And that's why it looks like an ocean. If you're just a lake where you can see across the lake, nobody cares. You're just a plain old lake. By the way, a little uh, fun. There should job. be a different, sorry, a different name for that. Super Lake. Yeah, like what's the one that um Lake Chicago? Chicago's on Lake Michigan. Yeah, Lake Superior is a Super Lake breach. The name gives it away. <laughs> but um, a little fun fact about the uh, the Great Lakes. Great also works. So if Lake is the first word in the name Wait, of the Breach lake. wants to rename the Great Lakes the Superior Lakes. <laughs> the Super Lakes. The Super He wants to name it the, the Super League Lakes. That's what yeah. Breach wants to do. So look, if Lake is the first name in the name of the lake, Lake Ontario, for example, that means it's enormous. If it's like um what's the lake what's uh what's the lake near you, uh, Brinson and Raleigh? What's uh like one of the popular lakes? Lake Gaston? We have oh, Lake we have Lake Norman here too. So those are big lakes, but if it's like Gaston Lake, for example, that's a smaller lake. That's how you know the right. difference just uh, on on the uh on the well, like, well like what lake... about medium sized lakes? <laughs> you put them in the middle. So La... like, lake Norman is is a huge lake. Yeah, the name gave it away. But you don't go down to the shore at Lake Norman and think this might be an ocean. You go down to the shore at Lake Lake Michigan and you think you're staring out at an ocean. If you didn't know where you were, if you're just like, blindfolded and dropped on the shore of Lake Michigan. I mean, other, other than the fact, you'd probably realize you're in Chicago when you turned around. But if you looked out into the out of the lake, you would think you're on a, on an ocean. Yeah, I'm 50 miles from Lake Ontario, and the first time I went there when we moved here however long ago, it, it was the ocean. There are waves. You can't see the other side. So I mean, Lake Michigan's the size of, like, half the size of North Carolina. Yep. Anyway, all right, so let's get to the mailbag. Don't need to meander through these. This lake talk. Uh, this is from Dave three eleven three the reader uh, via Apple Podcast. Thank you for the great contact content. Plus, breach mailbag. Thank you. Huge fan of the show. What is your favorite lake in America? <laughs> Just kidding. Super lakes. <laughs> if you had to pick one of the Great Lakes, which one are you riding? Who would you, get to a mock draft of lakes in America? I got lake you're on. I'll take Michigan. What Salt are some? Lake. I'll, oh no! I, you know what? Number one, sneaky number one, Lake Tahoe. <laughs> that's, yeah, probably that's, number one. That's yeah. Brent's number one. Yeah, come on up to Lake Tahoe. I'll take Tahoe one, Norman two. And, and that wasn't actually a question, even though we started answering it. That's right. No. What, all right. So this is yes. What are some viable ways that the NFL could implement a lottery for the first eight or so picks in the draft? Are there any ideas that you have? Well, the obvious one is just copy what the nba is doing right well let me ask what's the nba doing right so say, let me you ask got, you about this how how effective in your mind as the as the nba lottery in terms of the best players going to the best spots because i remember when i lived in boston back when rick patino was there they had two first round picks they wanted to get tim duncan and they ended up with van horn and ron, chauncey billups ron mercer maybe also yeah, it, was, it was chauncey billups oh okay but the, the point was that they should have gotten tim duncan and they obviously didn't Right. Yeah, the it, whole the whole reason Patino took that was to get Duncan. No, well, it didn't work. It, it, Sorry. The the very worst teams in the NBA aren't guaranteed to get the very top pick, unlike the NFL. I think that's the big difference. Their lottery has changed a little bit over the years as implemented in '85 for Ewing, and and for the longest time, you're holding a lottery. And I think this is where the misconception is: you're holding a lottery for the top three picks. 
And the, those odds that you have to get one of those top three picks are weighted based on how you finish the regular season and, and the worst team gets the most lottery balls. And then after those top three picks are decided by the lottery, everything else falls in order. So it used to be, you know, you're, the, is, is, is it top three now? I thought it was like it's, top eight. It's now. top four now. So you're just drawing for the top four picks and then everything else kind of falls in order. So if, if you have the worst record in the league and even five or, or sorry, those four teams jump ahead of you, the worst you could do is five. So I, I do think there's some things to take away from that. The NBA has other issues with, with tanking itself where they're talking about this wheel where it's on a rotational basis and every uh, six years a, a team gets a top five pick. That's a whole different thing. But I think the NFL could pursue just the, the general lottery to start things. I like the idea of the general lottery and also to spice it up, you can use your draft picks to to maybe make some moves. And those draft picks have to go to the other teams you're in the lottery with. So if you're the Jets at number two and your, you know, your lottery is that you're, you're second most likely to get the first overall pick, you can send a second round pick through some math. I don't know what the math is to try to, to move up. Don't wait, but don't they do all the top 14 are in the lottery, but it's only the bottom four can get the top four picks. Is that right? No. So. The team, like the 14th team, it's all the teams that don't make the playoffs. The 14th team has minimal odds to sneak inside of, of that top four. If they don't get the top four, they're not going between five and 13. You're finishing 14 because it's that kind of reverse order. So, you know, for example, it used to be where when they were drawing for the top three teams, the the, the worst team in the league that had the best odds had 25% odds to land the number one pick. And it was somewhere around... 60, 65% that they would land inside the top three. Maybe a little bit higher than that. But, you know, the, these teams that finish, and for the NFL, 32 teams. Now, 14 of them make the playoffs, so 18 don't make the playoffs. You would have a lottery for, you know, whatever amount that you determine at the top. But, like, the 17th best or worst team, if, if they're not getting inside the top four, they're going to draft at 17. Okay, so... The reason why the NFL doesn't do it, I mean, there's you know tons of reasons, really. But one of the main ones is that the NBA is dramatically altered by the presence of one player, one superstar player uh, on a team. And, you know, in, in these superstar – correct me if I'm wrong, but these superstar players come around a lot more often than superstar quarterbacks do in the NFL. This year is a bad example because of Trevor Lawrence. But typically speaking – the number one overall pick, while great, is, you know, you're not guaranteed to change your franchise around. I mean, you know, but a lot of, you know, a lot of times in the NBA, almost every year it feels like there's a guy who could be a superstar. Right. I think the stat is two number one overall quarterbacks since Peyton Manning have, have won Super Bowls, right? Peyton and Eli. Um, Peyton and Eli? Wait, the what was the stat? How many number one overall quarterbacks have actually gone on to, to win Super Bowls? It's not like a crazy number. You talk about David Carr and, sorry, Breach, Carson Palmer and John Elway and Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. I'm talking since, you know, we're talking 23 years now since Peyton Manning was drafted. Uh, it, well, was, um, was it I mean, technically Philip Rivers drafted first overall? He was. And then traded for Eli Manning. Well, Eli Manning was the number one overall pick. No. 
Debo. <laughs> Who is the Philip Rivers expert on this podcast? Are you? You can't argue wait, with him, Brent. Is it the other way? Is it the other way around? Dunk on you. Don't wait, let him what do you? No, 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 no. Eli was the number one pick yeah, for San Diego. Uh-huh. That's it. Was the other way around. Yeah. Reese got dunked on. No, I didn't. I said. Brinson's the Rivers expert, and there's don't ever, wrong. don't ever stand up for me, Breach. You're only going to get dunked on. Yeah, you literally said no, Debo, and then you got dunked yeah. on. Breach slid in the lane to take a charge, and Debo just came in with a tomahawk. Yeah, Eli was the number one pick to San Diego, and then traded to the Giants, who took Rivers fourth overall. And not only did he do the tomahawk, you as Breach's teammate are dancing over Breach while he's bleeding to death. <laughs> yeah, and it was it. all for defending <laughs> Brinson. I didn't think he would ever butcher, uh, Philip Rivers fact. And here we are. This is a, a big day on the podcast. No, I get that. I get that one. I get that one wrong all the time. Too, yeah, yeah. Um, is it, uh, is to, to win a Super Bowl, maybe it is just the Mannings. But yeah, but anyway, to the point. Uh, and Elway. Are you guys and, on, well, I mean, and Terry Bradshaw. I don't know how far back we're going. Are you guys on board with the idea of, too. of, uh, of the lottery and any sort of tweaks you would add to that? That was the original question. I would add a tweak. I no, would not by, by have the, a lottery. What? I was going to say, let's not forget the former number one overall draft pick, David Carr, a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, with the Giants. That's right. Are we that's counting right. him? No. Go ahead, Bruce. He had to get that in. I sure. would not have a lottery. I would have a playoff. I would take the eight teams. Oh. If the NFL wants to make more money, how do you do it? You televise more games. You take the eight teams. You have them start playing on divisional round weekend. Uh, then for championship, they play on the Monday. So don't, have we, they, have we talked about this before? No, this was, this is what I proposed for the, uh, if they modify the schedule for the pandemic, oh, that yeah. they could add right. more games to the schedule. And I, I still think they should do it, whether pandemic or not. So you play four games with eight teams on divisional round weekend. You play two games with four teams on championship round weekend. And then the team that gets the number one pick wins it all. You put that game. In the off week between the championship and the Super Bowl Pro Bowl weekend, and boom, like who's not going to watch a game where the number one overall pick is on the line? I think like that that would get incredible ratings. I said this, I said this at the time, I believe that the, the, like the end of the English Premier League, which doesn't have playoffs, but for the teams that are about to get relegated, are hugely important because the fan bases are pumped that their team isn't getting sent down, and you lose a lot of money when you get sent down. And I would imagine the Jaguars would be incredibly pumped. To get Trevor Lawrence, just like the the Jets would be incredibly saddened by the idea of not getting Trevor Lawrence if that's what it's. So, can you still? Is it still in your best interest to tank weeks twelve through seventeen now or eighteen now because you're just preparing now you're resting your starters for the playoff? I would say it depends. I would say that the if there's like home field advantage. So if you have the uh, best record in that tournament, so you're the eighth. Or the, the, I don't know who gets the number one seed. Are we doing reverse draft? So yeah. say, say you're, you have Jacksonville who's one in 15. You have the Falcons who won four games. The Falcons would get to host Jacksonville. So you wouldn't want, oh, right, so, yeah. so there would be no incentive to lose games because then you have to play on the road in this draft tournament. Breach, here's I, my, Breach, I have an issue. I just don't think the players would be motivated. That was, like, that was going to be my issue too. Uh, why wouldn't they be motivated? They're going to get extra they, money. They like, don't wh- care. Like they, the money, the money helps, but like they don't you, care. I think between the difference, especially with the amount of turnover on NFL rosters each year, you could say a, a third of that roster won't even be on the same team next year, and they're probably, you know, some of the positions that they may be drafting might be replacing the guys on the current roster. Right. I don't think they're well, fighting for but, it. I don't but if you're going out there, there, well, I mean, not enough draft picks make a team that there's going to be a bunch of concerned players that a yeah, draft but, pick is going to take their spot. And the other part is, if they're not motivated, they're going to go out there and they're going to look like fools, and that's the last film that some. Someone has on you before you go into free agency. 
So, like, I, there's no but, way they're not going to be motivated. So what, 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 what motivates a team that's been eliminated in week 14 no, through the well, end of the season? How are you going to be motivated? You're like, hey, go out there and get us that number one pick before we cut you. It's not a only tournament. That, try hey, to win a tournament. Hey, Gardner Minshew, go win this football game so we can cut you in two weeks because we're going to take Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That literally would affect one player on the roster. The most important player on the roster for that game that you're trying to win. Uh, and I think you would need to – take basically 75% of the TV money and give it to the players. But the flip side of that is like Matt Ryan. You don't think Matt Ryan would want to win this? He's a quarterback. So if we can get the number one I overall don't, pick. I don't, I don't think Matt Ryan would want to win it because he would be out of a job immediately. They, they take Trevor Warren and he gets traded to a better team or, or somewhere where he can thrive. Like You know you know who would who would want to win that game? Two two people, Nate Sudfeld and Doug Peterson. Those guys would have shown up. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. not saying like no one would be motivated, but you need yeah. buy-in from everyone, and I don't think you're getting that. Uh, also – Think about a team like the Jets last year, right? They, you know, they, they win that game. They, they're the, the number two spot, but then this tournament's happening. They're firing Adam Gase. So they got to keep him around for another two months. Yeah. No, I you get, can still fire him. I like, I like Breach's idea in theory. I think it needs to be yes. fleshed out a little more, but I think it's a good start. Like mine was like half lottery, half you can trade graphics and move up and down, but that, that requires a lot of. Uh, logistical things you need to figure out. This thing is just like. No, a, I, I love the idea, and this is something that's been floated for the NBA too, where you have a tournament to see who gets into the, you know, who like, who are the last teams to get into the playoffs, or like a tournament down the stretch. It, it, the problem, I just think you're not going to have. If you're a veteran and you're on a team that went one and fifteen, you really don't want to play more. You're like you're you're done. You are done. You don't want to be around that team. You don't want to be playing. Maybe it's a thing where you. You know, the problem is if you're doing it for the draft, a.k.a. before the draft, you know, you don't have a lot of guy. You know, you, you can't do it as like a tryout for UDFAs or anything like that because they have to be a part of the union. So it's a whole – I like the idea. I, I think anytime you can make a, a contest to see who gets the number one pick, it's great. But, yeah. And, 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 and I think the key to motivating everyone is money. If you throw these guys, hey, look, you get paid a 100 grand a game uh, – to play was, in these extra games, that's going to motivate them. That's I was thinking extra, 100 grand, but I yeah, do wonder I, these these owners do not like to part ways with. Money. But they're, they're they'd be getting like seven extra games, so that I mean they could make a ton of money. Everybody likes money. Money. I don't. Money. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know that these players. I don't know that these players are excited about the idea of playing for another two months for seven hundred thousand dollars. Brinson broke the podcast. You broke the podcast. Now what? Well, now we can talk about the idea because it's not echoing anymore. Oh, thank God. Uh, you know what, though? I do agree with you guys that it, it, it would just be fun if there was any type of lottery. It doesn't necessarily have to be a playoff. If the NFL just had some system in place where the worst eight teams don't get the picks in the order just for being, you don't get rewarded for being the worst. That's what this takes out of. So whether it's a playoff or whether it's a lottery, I do think they should do something. I do think, uh, first of all, Breach made it echo in here. So Brinson, if you're watching on YouTube, Brinson had to get off the show and now he's on the bottom third of the screen and Breach is number one, which is probably what Breach in is the host chair. In the uh... host chair, yo. Also, unlike in Depot sort of talked about this with the NBA, it feels like if you're quote unquote tanking, and I don't really think NFL teams tank, historically you're still going to suck. Like we were talking tanking for Tua. They were good because of Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and the other moves they made, not because of Tua. I don't know. What the, like, the Jaguars could win four games next year or five, whatever we're, we're doing now with the, the – Yeah, new easily. So it's not a – like, it's not – because I remember, like, it was yesterday because I'm old. But when Patrick – when the, the Knicks – I think Knicks got Patrick Ewing, right? They won that lottery. 
and they were just like dancing around the the set, those old school eighty sets, because he was a difference maker. Now the Ewing theory came out of that, but they he transformed how that team was from being laughing stock to being you know something competitive. Yeah, I mean, look at LeBron James and the Cavaliers, and that's obviously a special yeah. case because LeBron's one of the all time great players. But I mean, but there is no. Well, I guess Peyton Manning sort of worked out, and they got lucky with Andrew Luck. But I mean, there's been four instances that we bring up: John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, and now Trevor Lawrence. And even with Lawrence, the Jets had it locked and accidentally won a game. You know, they beat the Rams, a playoff team. You know, with Elway, there was a situation where he refused to play in a certain spot, and then with you know Manning, you know, there was the debate about Lee versus Peyton. Not that we think they were. Uh, Real quick, the only number one pick that won a Super Bowl that we did not name in the Super Bowl era was Jim Plunkett. True yeah, Bledsoe. Oh, I thought you were going to say Carson Palmer. I, I just think you're not going to see – the problem is the NFL doesn't want to reward somebody who's – they don't want the team that finished 14th in the in, in the standings to end up with the number one pick. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. That's why you limit it to the bottom eight, the eight worst teams, instead of yeah. letting those other teams be involved. Simmons Stim in the chat says, you know what the most disliked and disdained match in any soccer World Cup is? The third place playoff. Ooh. Players, managers, and fans all dislike it. I fear it would be the same with Breach's idea. Agreed completely. That's a good But point. there's nothing on the line with the third place game in the World Cup. You don't have a chance at the number one overall pick. This would be like if the third place Why game guaranteed the- you, if it guaranteed you a spot in the next World Cup, then everyone would watch. If there was something that you were playing for, but there's not, third place game is worthless. I agree with that. But in the 18 playoff, <laughs> you there's a reward. You get the number one overall pick. So your fans are going to be like insanely going crazy hoping that you win. But you're, but who cares about your fans? Breach does, in fact, have well, you're trying to that. drum up interest for the draft for the end of Look the season. Look at us! For... Yes, we suck. Yes, we suck. I mean, like, That's but you have that. to win three straight games at the end of the season, so you don't suck that bad. Breach is, is living. It... In, Breach is living in a Simpsons episode. <laughs> Like where yeah. just random stuff happens. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's right about the World Cup thing. Breach is right though. You're not really playing for anything except third place for the next four years, but no one cares about who won third place. But I do think to Debo's point and to the, the questioner's point, the players and coaches don't want to be out there. No. <laughs> I mean, that's also their $100,000. That's how you solve it. No. No. All right. What's the next question? I got, yeah. I got plus stuff. that's, that's vacation time for these guys. It's draft season, baby. I got stuff to do. Five stars, mailbag. My fit is from Fight on Dan, the Apple podcast. My favorite NFL podcast to listen to. Every episode I've listened to has been a banger. Question. If you were to make a full NFL roster out of the top prospects in this year's draft and with an above average coach like Mike Tomlin or Bruce Arians, how would that team fare in a regular season schedule? Could that team have a winning record or possibly even make the playoffs? So. I went through and tried to identify. Oh, you did this? Good job. Yeah. I thought Debo did this. All right, no, go I was ahead. Do a little homework. Can't be stumbling around with something like this. Be like, oh, I'm the wide receiver. So I, the issue with this team in this particular draft, this one is a pretty good one in terms of could it make some noise with a decent head coach? But the problem is it's going to look a. It's probably going to be like the Atlanta Falcons. Awesome skill position, you know, high end quarterback. You look at it and think, man, this team could score some points adding uh, uh, Pitts, Kyle Pitts in there. But you got to have concerns about the offensive line and the defense is going to be absolutely dog, dog dude. Does that seem fair, Wilson? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the offensive line could be surprisingly good. I mean, Tristan Wirfs would be the number well, one. Let's, well, let's, Tristan Wirfs. Well, let's, well, let's run through. So 
He would so, be the number one offensive tackle in this class, is what I was going to say. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Uh, you can go with Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. I went with Etienne at running back. Uh, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell at wide receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end. By the way, all those guys are probably going to be first rounders. Maybe Etienne could fall a little bit. And then Pene Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Dickinson, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and uh, Darisaw. Because I think we, what's that? Dickerson, Landon Dickerson, Dickerson, excuse me. That's fine. That well, we've, talk, we've talked about Elijah Vera Tucker and Rashawn Slater as top 25 guys, top 20 guys who are tackles, but who could both kick in inside and play guard. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went with them at guard there. I, the offensive line's not terrible, but you're right. You know, this is not as good as a Tristan Wirfs style thing. But my point uh, is that Wirfs was dominant from day one. This sure. is a good group. Like Dickerson is, is recovering from an ACL, so he may not be ready till September, but assuming he's healthy, this, this is a, a replacement level offensive line in terms of just eyeball testing it from the okay. perspective of April. So how many points a game does this, does this team score? So 18. Right. No, so I, I think, you know, you add a few more, like you add Rondell Moore, maybe Elijah Moore to the wide receiver course. You have five there. You have Kyle Pitts, maybe get Pat Fryermuth from Penn State. So you have some versatility there. Um, but are you guys, Hundred percent on Trevor Lawrence being the guy next year. Like, if you could have any of these rookie quarterbacks well, you in get, this offense, you get your backup. Like, you get Mac Joe. You can you know, you're building up the whole roster, so you can have Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback one, Justin Fields as his backup, and then Mac yeah. Jones as your third string guy. Okay, no, that's good. So, but I think you're right. I think the defense were things like the defensive line class is incredibly weak historically. The edge rushers, there's no like if there's a Chase Young or, or one of the Bosa brothers or Miles Garrett, you feel pretty good about that. But there's no one that feels that jumps out at you like that. Saving Collins is he a, an off ball linebacker? Is he going to move to edge? I think the, you have plenty of athleticism at linebacker position, but a lot of these are young. Like Jamin Davis, they're obviously all young, but Jamin Davis is a one year starter. Usakormoa, is he a safety? Is he big enough to play linebacker? I think cornerback, you're going to be pretty good, but we see every year cornerbacks struggle. Even those guys coming out of the SEC, even if they're six one and two hundred pounds, it's a big leap from trying to cover SEC wide receivers to NFL guys. You know, like Julio Jones. I think the safeties will be fine in terms of like Morag. You could get um, uh, the the kid out of UCF who might be a day two guy. Um, I can't think of his name right now. But either way, I think you're right. The defense is going to have to make larger strides than the offense. But I think 18 points that feels about the over under. In which case, they're not going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, it feels like because this basically comes down to is how do you think a college all-star team would do in the NFL? Could they compete? And you know, you look at last year's rookies; only two of them made the Pro Bowl, and that was from every draft pick. You know, there was 256 draft picks; two of them made the Pro Bowl, and you're talking about every rookie would have to be good on this team. You know, like when have we ever seen 22 rookies all pan out at the exact same time? And they would have to be above average, not just average, but like above average. And so I, I do think a team like this could be okay. Maybe win. I feel like the over under on wins would probably be about five. You know, you put them in the NFC East, maybe they compete because that's not a great division right now, but you put them in the NFC West, they're probably going one in 16. So I just think uh, it depends on what they did. And there used to be, a college all-star game where the college all-stars played right. an, an NFL team. And in the last 15 games that that existed, the NFL teams went 14 and one. So what, what was the last year it happened? Was that in the seventies? 76. Okay. 
And you probably remember because the Steelers played in the, the final two. I was three, sadly enough. Um, Richie Grant was a safety use name. I couldn't remember at ECF. This also sort of answers the question. All right. Can Alabama beat, uh, the Cleveland, the 20, whatever, <laughs> the Owen, Owen 17 Cleveland, Owen 16 Cleveland Browns team? And no, the answer is no. And this is sort of paints that picture. If you even have an all-star team, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're asking rookies to acclimate. You're asking an entire roster of rookies to acclimate to the NFL against NFL caliber talent. You know, you know. Another way you could think about it is, okay, let's look at last year's draft class. So you have Joe Burrow, Chase Young, Jeffrey Kuda, Andrew Thomas struggled a little bit. Um, you could even start Justin Herbert. Maybe you do that. You have Derek Brown, who had a really good season. Isaiah Simmons, who was sort of hit or miss. C.J. Henderson struggled a little bit. Jedrick Wills was good. So the offensive line looks pretty good. You have Werfs, Wills, Becton, and, and those guys were all good. Henry Ruggs struggled. So this team that I'm looking at last year's first-round picks and trying to fashion team, maybe this wins more games because we know these guys a little better. I don't know if they're going 500. Mm, yeah, I mean, you're asking a lot. You know, Even if you want to – oh, boy. Yeah. And it all comes back to – the good news is you have Chase Young. The bad news is like the Jeff Gladney struggled. We talked about CJ Henderson. Jeffrey Kuda struggled. So you're just getting torched on the defensive side of the ball. Kalon Chase on, you know, he grew into his his role, but he wasn't like lights out from from day one. 2020 team is beating the crap out of the 2021 team. It feels like it. But yeah, again, and, we, and think about it. you have guys on the 2021 team like Panay Sewell and 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 uh, uh Jamar Chase, guys who didn't even play last year, yeah, and then yeah, they'd yeah. be thrown and have to play NFL players. Like they might yeah. eventually be good, but man, that's being just tossed in the fire. I mean, you also have just a lot more defensive impact guys, whether it's you know Isaiah Simmons, AJ Terrell, more importantly, like Antoine Winfield Jr., Javon Kinlaw. You know, Derek Brown was a beast. We mentioned Chase Young, of course. There, Patrick Queen. That de- that defense for 2020 is 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 not getting run over by the 2021 offense, which looks really good. Yep, I, I think Derek Brown and, and Javon Kinlaw are huge because this defensive line class is incredibly weak. Like exactly, he, those guys are are you know doing damage. Yeah, Gross Matos. Yeah, and they're the stable of backs. For, uh, 2020 is beating the tar out of 2021. Well, well. Revisit it in a year and see, but it feels that way right now. Okay. By the way, this is coming out Tuesday. What did you guys think about the Julio Jones rumors on he's Monday? 30, he's 32. Like, Breach likes to prop up A.J. Green. I don't know if he can prop up Julio Jones. He's Obviously, Julio Jones is still really good, but are you paying all that money to get him and then probably having to give him a new deal? That's where I'm at on it. I would you, say if I feel like I'm a team that's genuinely a receiver away from getting the Super Bowl, that – I think about it. Who's that team? Uh, the Packers. I don't know. Maybe. Well, God, live the Packers. Now we're talking, but I mean, is, is, is Julio Jones putting the Packers over the top? Well, Will, uh... Fuller, Will Fuller did last year for me and <laughs> I, I, I never materialized. So I would think so. The, the Falcons want to do it as a post June one trade. Yeah. Right. Which would save them $15 million. They're not going to do it as a, they would lose cap space as a pre-June 1 trade. So you have to find somebody who wants to do it post-June 1. I don't know, man. I guess if you're if you're drafting Trey Lance at 4 or Justin Fields at 4, you can make the case that you want to do it because you're sort of rebooting, but then you're also taking away the best offensive weapon on the on the team away from that guy. The Falcons are just all over the place. This thing doesn't make any, none of this, I don't know, none of this makes any sense. I, oh, I don't what think, if like the Chiefs, the Chiefs traded for Julio Jones? I mean, come on, that offense, 
But they don't, they don't have any first round picks. You well, also, you're also, you're not getting a first round pick for Julio Jones. That's crazy. Yeah, that's true. Don't, don't the Chiefs have a, they're, the plan is to use next year's first round picks because the trade would have to be post June 1st. So Chiefs yep. could trade away a 2022 first round pick if it is a first round pick. And like you were about to say, Brenton, it's probably not going to be a first round pick, a second round pick. But if you win the Super Bowl or you're in the Super Bowl, you know, it's the 31st or 32nd pick in the first round or the 63rd or 64th pick in the second round. And if you, if you get Julio Jones for the 63rd overall pick, I think it's a good deal. He's 32. He's battling injuries. He's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but. But it wouldn't have to be a star on the team like the Packers or the Chiefs. Yeah. That, that guy's called Sammy Watkins. You don't necessarily need him. You know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not a Julio Jones away from winning the Super Bowl. They I just, a, I, with, with a team like the Chiefs or a team like the Packers, you know, if you're going to get Julio Jones, you want to have him be your clear cut number one receiver who's the most used player on your offense. And Julio would be the third option. Where is AJ Green went to Arizona. Is that where he ended up? Yep. Yeah. And he is quite comfortable not being the number one at this point, which you understand given the, you know, the sort of drop off of productivity. No, I think that's right. And I think I, the other way to think about it for me is that Orlando Brown is much more important to the Chiefs Super Bowl chances than Julio Jones. This could just be a way, I would agree with that. This could just be a way for the Falcons to try and get Julio Jones to take a pay cut. He ain't taking a pay cut. They can say all they want to. He ain't taking a pay cut. Probably not. I mean, his dead, and his dead cap hit is $40.5 million. You're not. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. No, here it is. No, yeah, I don't take the pay cut. What are you gonna do? Release me? <laughs> yeah, 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 they can't. I mean, they can't release him. Even a a post June one release is negative two million dollars in cap savings. You're not, you're not. What are we doing here? It's, it's a trade, or he's playing for the Falcons. Yeah, a post June first trade, or he's playing for the Falcons. That's right, breach. You are correct. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll tell you. What Wilson, what position Ryan Wilson is most confident on in the 2021 Yikes. NFL Ooh. draft next. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H track, all wheel drive, standard third row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. Used to go as a kid. Wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Mail that question from mmart6767. What position would Wilson say he's most confident and accurate at evaluating? 
That's the question. That's the title of the thing. Hey guys, love the show as always. I for one absolutely love crapping on my boy Ryan Wilson's mock drafts. But when people are calling for someone's job and livelihood, we need to really get our perspective and priorities in order. So my questions are set to prove he may know a thing or two about the draft process. What is the position over the two or three years he's been making mocks that Wilson is most confident and accurate at evaluating? We know it's not quarterback, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the player drafted in the fourth round or later that we can hang his hat on as being good that nobody else was high on? Who's the one guy not named Mac Jones he's calling a shot on this year to be good? Thanks for putting up with all of us tortured geniuses on the Internet and doing it. Doing it in a way that's entertaining. Also, I don't think Brinson looked at his son for the first time with the same level of unbridled joy as he did when he played that fire Ryan Wilson TikTok sounder. <laughs> fair, fair. True that. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins screwed me on my quarterback evaluations. Mm-hmm. This is actually a good question and, and a pretty tough question. Like kickers, obviously, is breaches uh, forte, and I think he feels quite confident in that. You were high on um, the Colts kicker, right? Breach last year. Uh, Tyler Bass was my number one, and Rodrigo. <laughs> Was my number two. Love it. And both guys, I think Tyler had a pretty good season. I know that Rodrigo did. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. So, right. So, I, my first year three years ago, or third, this is my third draft. I was, I talk about this sometimes, especially with Brunson. I was huge on Kelvin Harmon uh, out of uh, NC State. He had a huge year with my boy Ryan Finley. He, uh, I went to the Syracuse NC State game where we had over like 200 receiving yards and it was just dominating guys. And I was like, oh, this guy's going to be a first round pick. And what I failed to realize is that the ability to get off the line of scrimmage and get open in college is sort of important uh, in the NFL. And a lot of times you're not facing press in, in college, and you'll certainly see more of that, maybe not as much as you used to. So even though he was big and um, seemed to be open a lot and ran by people, he ran the four sixes. He didn't play special teams, and he wasn't a great route runner by NFL standards. So that was sort of the, the lesson for me. I don't know if I'm better at ev- evaluating wide receivers, but I feel more comfortable sort of sorting out – and I may actually be harder on them now than I was them before because Jamar Chase doesn't create a ton of separation, not like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, but he does find find ways to get open in the last two or three yards, four yards, the ball's in the air. So I sort of call him a, a faster Anquan Bolden. He ran in the four threes, which sort of makes him fast. But Rondell Moore is, is someone that I love, but I'm concerned about because he's 5'7", and Brice and I talked about this. His arms are like 28 inches, which is like, I think, <laughs> was that was that the Pac-Man? Mock draftable graph, whichever it was, it was insanely tiny. So guys that don't get open are are a concern for me in college. Like Pete Prisco loves Tiami Brown out of UNC. I've talked to some teams that really like him a lot. I've talked to other teams that are sort of meh on him. And I'm sort of meh on him because um, he's supposed to be a quote-unquote deep threat. He would run by some guys, but not like the Iffy Mellon Fonwoos out of Syracuse, the Asante Samuel Juniors out of um, Florida State. And there's one other game I have to go back and look who had a good cornerback. He didn't dominate against those guys. So while you're, you know, going to town on the liberties of the world and no disrespect to Liberty, they're a good program, but they're not going to have a cornerback draft in the first round. You have to sort of balance that. And, and that's the hardest part. Like, look, I can look at offensive linemen and get a sense if they're doing their jobs, but I don't know offensive line play. Like, I don't understand, like, you know, the, the nuances of pass sets and, and how you should be using your hands. And I, I'm not going to try to BS you on that. But I do understand getting off the line of scrimmage and creating separation and getting open and catching the ball with your hands. And, and so I feel pretty comfortable about that. A couple guys' names I'll mention this year that I'll be interested to see how things work out. Like Cornell Powell out of uh, Clemson, I actually like a lot more than most folks. He may end up going day three. He's only had one-year productivity guy. But he had a really good year last year for Clemson. So I want to see how his career turns out. Nico Collins is a guy that people really, really, really like. To me, he 
never got like he was ne- there was zero separation at Michigan, very little separation. I don't, don't over exaggerate it at Michigan, but he ran in the four fours and people were sort of gaga over that. But if you don't see it when he's playing, just because he ran fast the straight line with his shorts on doesn't mean it's going to translate. So I, I'm interested to see what he does. Prisco loves Josh Palmer at Tennessee. I've heard some other teams that like him a lot. He had terrible quarterback play. He had some really good games against Alabama, against um, Sertan in particular. But, again, he was never – the separation wasn't there. He's good at high point catching the ball, and that will come in handy. But if you're not open in the NFL, you're not going to see the field very often. And one of the name I'll mention is Anthony Schwartz, who is a, a legit track guy. He ran the four twos. And, you know, again, Bo Nix at Auburn, that's not a great quarterback situation for those uh, wide receivers, Seth Williams included. But um, some teams like him, and some teams – I think he's like a day three guy. Pete thinks he should go higher than that because he's threatens with speed, sort of like um Mike Wallace did, but he's not as big as Mike Wallace or even as refined as Mike Wallace, and Wallace wasn't refined at all coming out of college. So I, I'll say wide receiver, but, it, I mean, quarterback's the toughest. I mean, that's just the truth. You have no idea how these quarterbacks are going to turn out. Um, I thought Joe Burrow was going to be good, and he was good. I crapped all over Justin Herbert because he had two really bad years, or two, not bad, two uneven years, and it was hard to figure out how that was going to work. And he, he made it work. So he, he got the, uh, Dickie B dunk on me and well deserved, but I'm not going to try to BS you and tell you that these guys are going to be superstars. I have no idea. All I know is that Mac Jones will be a Hall of Famer in seven years. <laughs> that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good rant and listened to every word of it and, and really soaked it in. Yeah. I saw the, you doing other stuff. The, I, I would, so you think, you think wide receiver is the easiest or just, the less, the, the, the least difficult. I mean, anybody, the problem is anybody, your, your job requires you to inherently fudge your ability a little bit because as you said, and this is something people don't like to admit, but like, you know, your average NFL, NFL draft analyst or NFL analyst is cannot do a great job of breaking down offensive line play. You really need to have played offensive line to be a great offensive line analyst. And or to be a coach or to even be a scout. And uh, For sure. That is Daniel Jeremiah, as best I know. I mean, I'm sure Brady Quinn and Danny Cannell know something about offensive line play. I'm sure BMAC, Brian yeah. Fadden, understands defensive line play from being, you know, on those sides of the ball. But I don't think they could turn around tomorrow and be offensive line coaches or defensive line coaches. And, you know, right. so they understand it more than I do. But – you know, we understand, like, we know Tristan Wirfs is doing his job in that he, he didn't let Tom Brady get destroyed. But sometimes when, uh, you know, someone runs through the B gap, it ain't necessarily Tristan Wirfs' fault. And we don't know whose, right. whose responsibility it is. Exactly. And I think edge, I, to me, the, the stuff that's the easiest to break down from a draft perspective are guys who are going downhill. Right. The skill position guys. Right. Wide receivers, running backs and defensive, defensive, like outside edge guys. Yeah. That's you know? Right. You can, you can see their moves easily. You can see how they get off the ball. You can see how they, you know, get downhill after the quarterback. And that, that's just easier than a cornerback who is backpedaling and, you know, you, you have to worry about the technique and, you know, what kind of receivers are they playing against? There's a lot that goes into this. I mean, NFL teams miss these things all the time. It is not easy to do. You know, when we do these mock drafts, we get caught up in a lot of group thinking because that's just how it operates. But yeah, I would say wide receiver. Certainly up there in terms of the easiest one to figure out because you're just, you know, just watch it. I mean, really the fantasy positions are the easiest. Yeah. And at, I mean, just three. to give you an example, anybody example of how difficult this is, you know, Ryan brought up kickers. Kickers should really be the easiest position 
to identify who's good or not. And most of these teams end up with undrafted free agents because the guys who get drafted don't always latch on. So they can't even handle it. It, it just tells you how much of a crapshoot is not just with, you know, guys in the media trying to cover it, but NFL teams, they're not hitting home runs with every pick. They struggle with this also. So uh th- this is not, it, it's a total crapshoot is what it comes down to. So uh, at, oh, I'm okay. sorry. I, I was going to say two more, two more names that I'll throw out there that, they're not fourth round guys, probably going to be first round, but I think guys who will go earlier than has been mocked so far. And they're, they both have, I just looked at Pete's better than team. And they just happen to be on there. But, but I think Asante Samuel Jr., who we had going in the first round of our mock draft, his over under is 35 and a half. I love that under. Yeah, and, it'll be close for sure. Uh, uh, my boy Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. Yeah, Jamin. Jamin Davis. I think he ends up going in the top 20 of the draft. I think I had him going 19 in my, Three round mock draft that came out Monday. Saw a lot of buzz either from Peter King or Albert Breer about him and the Raiders, which would make a lot of sense. Right as. Yep. So I'm looking at my uh, top 250 prospects from the 2020 class, just the wide receivers. My number one was CeeDee Lamb, which makes me feel good. I didn't fall for the the hype with um, Henry Ruggs. And then Jerry Judy was number two. And then it was Henry Ruggs. Then, oh, I had Justin Jefferson over Jalen Rager. You. Yeah, everybody did. How he should have called me. Except know. the Eagles. <laughs> Except yeah. Jeff Lurie. And in fact, I had Denzel Mims ahead of Jalen Rager too. Denzel Mims, mm. I don't think it helped much last year, but that's not his fault. Brandon Ayuk was up there. So yeah, and Jalen Rager was actually 35 for me. Oh good. Okay. I feel better about that. So yeah, it's, it's a little easier. I'm just going through these wide receivers and Jalen could still be really good. LaVisca Schnault was 38. And I thought he had a pretty, uh, an interest. T Higgins was 43. And I told you guys this before. I was talked, I was talked off of him. Like I let myself fall for that nonsense that he couldn't get same, off the line of Same, same. Michael Pittman was fifty. So I think you know, looking and some of these obviously in the top fifty, like Grant Delpit was injured last year. AJ Terrell had an up and down season. AJ Panessa didn't do a whole bunch. So I think it's a lot harder for me anyway. I think wide receiver might be the easiest, and maybe to your point, Brent, it's because we see those guys and we sort of know what the expectations are for them. DK Metcalf fell to sixty four. It's it's a very inexact science. Tom Brady fell to one ninety nine. Mm, mm, mm. But right. like Brady, I don't think anyone saw it coming, but you know, DK Metcalf is one of those guys that a lot, of, a lot of people project in the first round and just these weird red flags that teams either pull out of thin air or, or for whatever reason that people just can slide down a draft board and it makes no sense at all. I was That's trying funny. to, I was trying to find a, an article somebody would have written DK Metcalf, a lock to be first round pick, but Drew Locke was in the same draft. So it wasn't, Ooh. it's yeah. tough to find. No, I had DK going, I think, top five after the combine when we ran the four three three. And then by the second day of the combine, you had him going bottom five of the first round. Yeah, I don't remember what my final mock draft was, but I don't know if I had him in in the first round. Again, group tank. That's why, as I go through this process, I spend less and less time on Twitter. Well, I mean, but it, it ended up being correct, except it was also dead wrong. That's the thing. So that's the other thing you're trying like, to do. He did fall to the second round and it was stupid because he's so good. You can, you can argue that Mac Jones shouldn't go number three, but if he does go number three, then you got it right. But if you had him not in your first round three years from now, you look a genius if he ends up being a, a bust. So you have to sort of, you know, do that math when you're putting these things together. Mm. You had the Dolphins, by the way, taking Jordan Love at 18 in your mock I know. draft. That last mock draft, the one that came out the Monday before was, was the few days before was better. And I talked myself and all sorts of crazy things. Justin Herbert falling, all sorts of nonsense. After you got the a- 2019 combine, Ryan wrote that DK Metcalf should be a top 10 pick. He looked that good. Oh yeah. And then you, mo- then you didn't include him in the first round of your mock draft. That's not confirmed. 
I'm looking at it. Right now. Oh, okay. It's confirmed. So my boy Ryan Wilson over at CBS Sports. <laughs> Why don't you play my TikTok rebuttal? Where's that? <laughs> All right. Next up. Great podcast. Love the Brady Quinn episodes as well as the Super Friends of Brinson. I've been listening to the show for about three years now. As Will gets more practice, he certainly is getting better. It's <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. the backhanded compliment of all time. Signed at Debo. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes time. Love the banner of the relationship between the Super Friends. You can tell their genuine friendship through their small jabs and larger dunks at each other. My uncle is a late 70s graduate of the real Miami and Oxford, so obviously John has to be great. He's also been amazing getting to know Ryan a bit through emails and Twitter contact. But you all do great work and mesh well together. My question is hypothetical. Say there had been a trade made the year the year before, Jacksonville no longer had the number one pick, but instead it was a team like the Chiefs or Cowboys who already had their quarterback. Knowing what San Francisco gave up to get to number three, what do you think the Chiefs or Cowboys or a team like that could get for number one to somebody wanting to get from somebody who wanted to get Trevor Lawrence from uh, Dominic Petrillo via Apple Podcasts? Great question. You could even say, I don't know, the only answers. The Chiefs are the is it the Chiefs the only team that wouldn't do it? I think that well, we talked about a question similar to this, and it was what would happen if the Bengals had the number one overall pick because they had Joe Burrow? Would they take Trevor Lawrence? And so I, I think your options, if you're the Chiefs, you're just auctioning this off, and I think you're getting at least three first round picks minimum. I mean the forty, yeah, yeah the Forty ers gave up three to get up there. I think so too. You're getting well, three on top of the pick that you get. So four. Uh, three extra back. And that's three probably extra. fair. Yeah, and I think I think is, that's hard. three is the max we decided, right? You can't go out more than. You can't go out max. Yeah, you could. You could toss a bunch of seconds in there too. It uh, well, actually, no. Three is not the max, because a team like the Dolphins or a team like the Jaguars that had multiple first. Right, three years is the max. Correct. Gotcha. So, in other words, a team like the Jaguars or a team. So, I think the Jaguars or the Jets would trade up to number one with the Chiefs. Yeah. Presuming that they still have these extra picks and the Jets are so loaded. So if the Jets are at two, that's, this is what would happen. I think the Jets are at two. The Jets call the Chiefs and say, Hey, look, you just have to go down one spot and we will give you two first round picks in this year's draft and two first round picks in next year's draft. And I think the Chiefs would say, absolutely. Let's roll. And then the Chiefs would flip out a two for somebody else who wanted to come well, up. Well, now to hold two. on. I don't even think so. If they're only falling one spot, I do think that's the one thing where maybe you're not getting the the three extra plus the one four. So maybe you get we'll say three. You get two extra plus the one. But if you're the Chiefs, like you were about to say, Brinson, now you fell down to two. Now you can auction that off because you still don't need a quarterback, and someone could trade up for a quarterback, and you could maybe score two first round picks there. And now you're at three. And you know what? Same thing. Like someone could say, well, we need a quarterback. The Chiefs are like two first round picks. Come right up. Now you're at four and you keep going until you say, you know what? We can take, uh, Pitts or Jamar Chase. You could probably do this all the way down to six and end with like 12 first round picks over the next three years. It would be insanity. So I guess this is the question. If you were the, let's say that I guess technically the Jaguars would be two. I'm trying to do this the way where the Jaguars have two first. So the Jaguars are two and the Jets are three. I think you would get four for going down either one or two spots. If the Jets were only willing to give you three first rounders and the Jaguars are at three and they're going to give you four. Well, 
this scenario, the Jaguars would be 31 because the trade, the Chiefs are up there because of a, a yeah, hypothetical so. trade that happened before the season started. Mm. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how. So would you rather you would go down to two for three first rounders versus going to 25 for four first rounders? Yes. Cause then you could flip the two for more. Right. Then you just turn around and be like, give us one more pick Jaguars for the two. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that would work. Jaguars. Yeah. It, it just has to, it has to be a team that has multiple first round picks. And, and, and you know, honestly, maybe you don't even want that many picks in this year's draft. Although I guess if the Chiefs you, you do, cause you want to bolster your, to bolster your roster, but yes, the the hall would be four first round picks for Trevor I, I, Lawrence. I think the Chiefs, if they were in this situation this year, they could literally walk out of the draft with like ten future first round picks. Yep, because you're just moving up and 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 pedaling all around. The Dolphins would the Dolphins do it six and eighteen plus another? Don't they have two first next year? Um, I'm not sure. Dolphins. I am not sure. Well, you should know that, Ryan, as the junior drafting list. He's I know. Four, he's melted his head on this year's draft, for instance. We've got to cut him some slack. I am. So, yeah. You're not, th- you're not thinking about 2022? Oh, the it. Dolphins have the 49ers first-round pick in, in 2022. So they did. They definitely have two of them. So they have two this year, two last year, and yeah. two next year. Okay, so would you rather get three first-round picks from the Jaguars to move from one to two or four first-round picks from the Dolphins to move from one to six? Mm, probably two. Okay. And then try to flip two for more additional uh-huh. first rounders is the, is the play. All right. Moving along. Good question though. Mailbag. Great pod. What are you guys thoughts on the Steelers trading up for Justin Fields in the first round? And let's combine it with this because, uh, mailbag question. Since Ryan is horrible at mock drafts and Will is obviously the smartest one. <laughs> oh, is that from Brenton Burner account. Thank yes. you. Al- Alex Boyer 24. Uh, James Skilling asked the first one, but, uh, he said, what do you guys think about the Steelers pick at 24? They are bad at picking running backs. Would Landon Dickerson be a better pick? And what do you think about Kellen Mond as a second round pick? Two things that Kevin Colbert, Steelers GM said from his press conference on Monday, the Steelers do not anticipate trading up. And he also said that a running back would be perfectly fine in the first round. Yeah, I wonder what Kevin Colbert said two years ago about the possibility of trading up because that's when they traded up 20, 10 spots from 20 to 10 to get Devin Bush. But I would imagine, and it may be that they're under the impression that these quarterbacks won't be there. But look, man, if you're going from 20 to 10 to get a linebacker, you better be interested in moving from 24 to 10 or whatever to get a get a quarterback. And I'll put it to, to Breach. Breach, would you feel better about the Steelers taking Najee Harris at 24 or trading up for Justin Fields at 10 or 11 or whatever? Uh, I wouldn't want them to get Justin Fields. Exactly. So that's that's where we're at. That's right. And, I, and be... I do think that like the, the problem with trading up, not just because they just said they're not going to trade up, but so if Justin Fields fell, let's say to out of the top 10, just barely, all of a sudden you're competing with all these other teams like the Patriots or Washington or the Bears who might also, and they're a lot closer to the top 10 than the Steelers are. So the Steelers would have to give up one of those Kings ransom trades. And I just don't see them having that kind of ammo or pulling the trigger on that. This is Breach trying to passive-aggressively talk himself out of it when the Steelers trade up and they give it three first round pick. And then I shame him on Twitter. That's right. Uh, the yeah. dumbest move ever, and you dunk on me four years later when he wins a Super Bowl. And by the way, I, I don't know if I've said it on here, but I love Kellen Mond. Like, if he were there at 55, I would want the Steelers to take him. They won't do it. He'll probably be gone in the second round. 
And I've talked to scouts like, uh, he's too robotic. Oh, you don't think Kellen makes it to 55? We'll see. I think he's, I think he and Davis Mills are probably third round guys, like early third round guys, but you know, these guys get pushed up all the time. And I've had him going to the Steelers in these three round mock drafts I've done. I think I've had him going to Washington or Chicago in the second round. His, Kellamon's over under 70, yeah, 72 and a half. Bang the under. I the over, he, the over is minus 150. Oh, wow. Like Kenny White is over. He's right typically on these mock, on these, um, draft props because typically guys go higher than we expect. Seventy-four and a half sounds enormous. Two and a half, seventy-two and a half. That gets you into the third round. I think he's going in round two. What's Davis really? Mills? Do you have that in front of you? Sixty and a half. Six zero. Yeah, I would take Kellamon all day. Like Davis Mills has started eleven games. Kellamon's played forty-four games. And the under is heavily juiced for for Davis Mills too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, again, we've talked about this. The you know, it's just sort of. The, I mean, these the, numbers don't mean anything. It's mostly people reacting to exactly. what they hear. I mean, right. Davis Mills is getting some buzz, and right. Kellamon isn't. You know, um, the other one, oh, Jamie Newman. That's, is that the 258 number? I've got 170. Oh, okay. It's hard to tell with him. Like some teams are really down on him. I wish he had played this year. I mean, I understand he opted out for personal reasons. That's his business, but I wanted to see him play at Georgia. It didn't work out. Now we just don't have a real sense. He sort of struggled at the senior bowl, which isn't a surprise. He hadn't played in a year. Right. He played in that weird offense at Wake Forest, that little slow mesh offense. It was sort of hard to get a read of, of what he was, how that would translate in the NFL. Right. What was the, oh, the, so this, I don't think it would be crazy at all for the Steelers to take a running back at, in the first round. No, I had him taking Najee in this three round mock draft and on the Thursday final mock draft, depending on whether the, the Dolphins and JLC's been talking about this, Dolphins love Najee at 18 as a possible pick at 18 if they don't go edge rush or offensive line. And even our buddy, um, What's Adam Flasnick? God, I can't remember. Beasley. Adam Beasley. He oh, talked yeah. about that. Miami Herald beat reporter. I heard him talk about that today. Um, or maybe yesterday, uh, on, um, on Sunday night, excuse me, about that, that, that running back slash edge slash offensive line possibility at 18. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I just think there's a very good chance that teams will get to the middle of this first round when the, you know, when the cliff starts to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And they will say, all right, we can take a, you know, we're at 18. We can't get anybody to trade, trade up. Do we want to take Jalen Phillips, who we're just not sure about? You know, do we, we don't feel like we need a cornerback like a Greg Newsome or, you know, let's just take the running back. You know, I, I just feel like people will feel that they're safer players, even though the position is not as valued as other positions. Well, and it's crazy because taking a running back has become so stigmatized, taking a running back in the first round. And so if you do take it and that running back doesn't pan out, all of a sudden you get this reputation as kind of an yeah. idiot, you know, the village idiot. So there is some pressure with taking running back in the first round. Yeah, I, 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 just, I guess yeah. I mean. I feel like there's less pressure, especially as opposed to, you know, for example, if you're going to take Davis Mills at 32 or whatever for the six-year option, and then what? But I feel like running back, those guys come in right away. Clyde Edwards-Alaire battled injury, but the guys that went in the second round, if Jonathan Taylor had gone in the first round and had the season he had, I think people were like, okay, he has an ability. J.K. Dobbins, okay, he has the ability to, to beat that guy. I think Najee, especially or whatever goes to the Steelers where they ran the ball for negative 400 yards last year, you just have to be able to put one foot in front of the other, like literally, like average 12 yards a game, and that almost feels like it's worth it. Also, keeps Roethlisberger from throwing the ball 200 times a game. Well, you can force feed a running back to success almost. 
You know, you can justify right. your pick by giving him 200 carries, 250 carries, and then his stats are good enough, and people say, "All right, well, you know, you don't take running backs early, but he was really good." I mean, that's you know, you can you can kind of get there. And at the bottom of the first round, even no one even questions Josh Jacobs going in the twenties. A couple uh, of years people kind of question it. I feel no, like no, so we looked at three first round picks that year, and when you look at them in total, it's like. They yeah, should have done better. I think the smart move is they took Clee Farrell first, so we were all focused on that. So when they took Josh Jacobs, everyone's like, oh, that makes a little more sense. But no, even every- before that, if, if you go back to 2018, you know, it's, uh, did the Giants overdraft Saquon Barkley? The Seahawks yes. took Rashad Penny. Uh, Sony Sa- Michelle, how'd he end up in the first round? Saquon's a, a, a top, what was he, top five pick? That was sort was of number, number two overall. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then also Rashad Penny, no one, and, and, on planet Earth had him going in the first round, except right. for John Schneider and Pete Carroll. So that and was Sony weird. Michelle's had an, an uh, you know a decent career. He had a great postseason one year, but it's you know was he worthy of a first round pick? Yeah, no, that's right. But I mean, you can look at all the picks twenty through thirty two and find other positions where like oh this guy was terrible. But I don't hate the idea of after twenty or whatever. If I feel like Najee at eighteen, if you get Jamar Chase for Tua, and then you get Najee at eighteen, is it kind of rich for a running back? Yeah, but I feel like. If Tua can't succeed with that, then you know right away it's time to get another quarterback. I was just go Devonta Smith and then, and then Najee and just recreate Bama. We'll find <laughs> out. Can Bama beat an NFL team? Yeah. Okay. Next question comes from, I hope, I hope that handled the Steelers discussion. Yeah. I, I would love, Breach does not want Justin Fields, which tells you that it would be a good move and I would love it. Yeah. This is from Ramfan9. Mailbag question. Everybody's talking about the Patriots moving up to select a quarterback. That may have been the case early in free agency. I thought all their signings were to fill needs to make a move up for a quarterback. However, since then, we have learned via the 49ers trade that Jimmy G's days in San Francisco are numbered. Why would the Patriots make a move up the board when in a year the quarterback Belichick has wanted for half of the last decade will be on the trade block? Cam is only on a one-year deal, so it's not like they would have to move mountains to make room for Jimmy G in a quarterback room. I think it'd all be a smokescreen, so a Washington or Chicago makes a move up in the draft board to get whatever quarterback falls, and another position prospect fail, falls to the Patriots, hopefully for them, one of the th- big three receivers. So I guess the question is, buy or sell the Patriots' interest in trading up in the 2021 NFL draft? The Patriots would like to trade up and get a quarterback. Um, I, I think that's that's as close to a truth as I can give you at this point in the process. I don't get this Jimmy G stuff. Like people say Jimmy G and Mac Jones are the same guy. I, I don't think so. Like Jimmy G to me, is he better than like a healthy Jacoby Brissett? When I mean, they were both, were they both there at the same time? Yeah, I think so. I, it's hard to tell with Jimmy G, man, because he just hadn't been healthy. That's the thing. And there, I say it all, like all the time in the last few weeks, like Kyle Shanahan, you, you have memories of him being visibly frustrated with Jimmy G not doing what he wanted him to do inside that offense. And that's why they traded, they didn't trade for three to take Kyle Pitts. I don't think that would be something if they did, but uh, whoever the quarterback is in their mind is a substantial upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. And is that something like, does he come to New England and fix things? Like, is he, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I think that the Patriots want him just because he's familiar with the system. You know, you still have the same head coach, same offensive coordinator. And if you can get him for a cheap price, if you can get him for a second round pick, which is what you traded him away for. So it's like almost nothing happened. Uh, if I'm the yeah. Patriots, I do it because I think, I Why? think, if, well, you're saying the Patriots should trade up. And if there's no one left to trade up for, then you don't like, I can't see them trading well, up to six or seven. You know, they're going to move up four or five spots, maybe to nine, but they, they're not going to give up a ton of the, stuff to move up a few spots. The Patriots have never traded into the top 10 of the NFL draft under Bill Belichick in 2000 and, um, let's see, 2003, they moved from 14th 
to 13th to take Ty Warren. In 2002, they moved from 32 to 21 to take Daniel Graham. And in 2012, they packaged 27, they moved from 27 to 21 to take Chandler Jones and then 31 to 25 to take Dante Hightower. So I could see him doing something like calling the Giants at 11 and saying, Hey, look, if our guy's there, we want to trade you and, and we're going to go after quarterbacks. The Giants aren't going after quarterback. And Giants, if he's not, Giants known for trading down in the first round, of course. Uh, well, <laughs> then call 12, you know, call, call, you're not going to trade that high. You're not going to, I don't see the Patriots trading eight or nine or maybe. If a quarterback falls a 10, you call the 49ers first and you're like, all right, you guys got Mac Jones. What are you going to do with Jimmy? We'll give you a second round pick, ship him to New England. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they end up with a quarterback by the end of this week. Uh, I Tim, will, I will say this. I will not be surprised if they trade inside the top 10. If they got, if their guy is there, number one, number two, breach is the same guy that would tra- trade a third round pick for Gardner Minshew. So how I'm high into the top 10, Wilson? Let's get a number here. I, I'm going to go as high as four. How you like Whoa, that? Whoa, no way. Yeah. Okay, I'm just putting it out there. I, you know. I, think, I think the spot is seven. Brinson with, will take a back in mayonnaise if they trade up to four. All right, that's on him. That's, that's weird. I didn't <laughs> suggest that. Seven makes sense, and here's why. Four is, isn't is happening because the Falcons really like Yeah, Cal but Pitt. I'm not trying to be boring. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm adding some but, spice. But, but look, if you're – Nine and a half. They'll trade up to nine and a half. But nine no. and a half is a good over-under. No, think about think about the the math involved here. I so know, but I, I'm just telling you. The, the Falcons are, are the Falcons are not going to go down to 15 in a draft class. It looks like it's about 12 or 13 players deep if they're not getting a ton in return. Yes, I agree with that. I don't, the, been, the Lions, however, I think may be willing if if Fields or Trey Lance are on the board at seven to go down to 15, knowing you have five quarterbacks taken ahead of you, so you're going to get one of the eight remaining players at 15. And maybe the Patriots first round pick next year. I don't know if New England will be willing to trade a, a future first. That's not something that they've, they've well, done they frequently. Trade up, they're going to have to. But, but I think, see, I think Detroit might be willing to take a lot less to move down because they're desperate to get out of seven. They really want to trade down because they understand how bad their roster is. They don't want to take a quarterback. They want to be able to accumulate assets. And so but we both agree that they could trade inside the top 10. That's the takeaway. I think seven is a possibility. I that's, think 10 is the highest they'll go. That's inside the top 10. Breach, once again, is going to be. The Cowboys good. aren't trading out of 10, I don't think. And well, they, then they, the they 11's the highest they'll go. They did in my three-round mock draft, and they did it happily. Boom. So it could happen. Listen to Wilson's mock drafts. And they still Princeton. got a cornerback, nerd. Exactly. I don't think Jimmy G, the, the larger point for me is that Jimmy G is not going to be a savior. I don't think this, I don't think the 49ers are trading. Jim. Now, Tim Kawakami uh, of The Athletic wrote that he thinks if it's Mac Jones they take at three, then Jimmy G could be traded. I think Peter King wrote about that too on Monday that it, they may ease up off the Jimmy G's coming back conversation. Who would think they're going to land the quarterback that they want unless something crazy happens to the top two picks? Um, and I, I think that he, it doesn't make, I mean, we heard that. Who was the quarterback they said it was his job until it's not his job? Who, what team was that? I can't remember. Jared Goff. Right. Yeah. He's our guy now. That's right. He's our guy right yeah. now. He's our I guy right that, now. That's a conversation we're going to have. I want to see what he said about Ben. The only issue I, I see with that is I, I believe Kyle Shanahan thinks his roster is Super Bowl ready this year and, and next it year. It is. Yeah. It is. It is. Sure. If you trade Jimmy G and your rookie quarterback's not ready to play. You're not first, winning the Super Bowl anyway. You're not winning with Jimmy G. They've been to the Super They were leading by 10 in the fourth quarter with Jimmy G. And but they, they lost happened. because, because he, of the uh, airmail to throw. Well. You just got dunked on by breach. No, you can you can have a fourth quarter lead in the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. I mean, that's that we know. You can, that. and guess what happens? We saw we know how the movie ends. 
But that doesn't mean you can't win the Super Bowl with him. If you're leading win. the Super Bowl, you can win the Super Bowl. It ends, with Sean, it. it ends with Sean sending me to the loser's locker room to get quotes, and I have to go around there and ask all those guys how they feel. While Sean <laughs> how, does, is, how does it feel to lose a Super Bowl? <laughs> I'm asking for Sean Wagner McGuff. You know him, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, my point being is that I think they're going to hold on to Jimmy G and just to give themselves options and outs and say, Jimmy, this is your job. And if he stinks or he gets hurt, then you have a backup in whoever it is, whether it's Mac Jones or Fields or Lance. And then they'll make a call after this off, after this season about trading Jimmy G. That's just my take. Uh, let's get to some. All right. Wilson's got to bounce. No, you got to answer some chat questions first. Oh, dude, I'm running. I'm running late. All right. Hurry up. Joe Musso says, Hey oh. guys, first time, long time. What are you running late for? I gotta do a, I told you I did another podcast with our guy Dan uh, at two thirty. Remember? Oh, for CBS? Yeah. Oh, it is. It's a CBS Sports podcast. He works for CBS Sports. It's for it's for I, I don't need to promote his podcast on the show, but I told you the two thirty. <laughs> I have to be clear. You're leaving a CBS Sports podcast to do a somebody else's podcast with a coworker on company time. Oh my time. gosh! You're sticking around, pal. Benson is shaving Wilson. <laughs> my God. So Musa says, hey guys, first time, long time. Joe from Chicago, wondering how Ryan Pace will again position the Bears as the butt of the joke on Thursday. Uh, trading up for Kelamond in the first round. Well, uh, was it, yeah, Pete had the Bears taking Davis Love at 20. Davis Mills, Davis <laughs> Mills. No, no, Davis no, no literally the golfer Davis Love. 52 year old Davis Love. No, Davis Mills at 20. <laughs> he might be old. He's older than that, I think. Yeah, he might be. But right. So it doesn't matter which Davis you take at 20. Bears fans are going to be apoplectic. 57. Yeah. It's pretty close. Yeah. Davis, Davis Love. Uh, what's the chances that the Eagles draft Parson? Um, like maturity concerns have sort of taken on a life of their own recently. And I've talked to some people that think it's a bigger deal than some other people do. So they're there at 12. I, I, they don't take linebacks in the first round, even when they're clean character guys. I, I think probably wide receiver cornerback makes more sense, but you know, never say never. He could be gone to 11, by the way. Apparently Gettleman loves him. Okay. Horn or certain. I, I, his over under is 14 and a half. It feels like he's dipping. I just think some of the stuff that's out there. The uh, Horn or Sertan? Uh, Sertan is the more certain thing. I think Horn is the chance to be better. I like Caleb Farley if he were healthy the best, but he's not healthy. Hmm. Pick six. If my Dolphins trade Xavier Howard during the draft, do you think we can get a top 10 pack, top 10 pick or top 15 pick from a team who needs a corner or at best we get a late first round pick? Would you as the Cowboys trade number 10 for Xavier Howard? No, no, I'd, I would rather have Sertan or J.C. Horn on a rookie deal. And you know how good Xavier Howard is, and we just saw what Jeffrey Kuda and what C.J. Henderson and what A.J. Terrell didn't do consistently, so just something to think would about. Would you trade – are the Dolphins trying to trade Xavier Howard? I'd have never heard that, but who knows, maybe. Are Would you trade 10 – Well, this is a, a Brian Flores burner account, trying to figure uh, out what he can get for <laughs> Xavier like, Howard. Would you trade 10 – and a, and your and the Cowboys second round pick for Xavier Howard in eighteen. Ten Cowboys second round pick for Xavier Howard in eighteen. Yeah, I would, but I think you know we overvalue these draft picks. That's why you sort of hesitated on number ten. I would do that. Xavier Howard's also, good, man. Yeah, and I think good. if you yeah. look at teams that need corners at the bottom of the draft, like uh, the Saints. the Packers, Packers, the Saints, I think that's absolutely a trade. If he were on the trade market, that you could get a, a low first rounder for him easy. I'm saying if you're the if you're the Cowboys, what you do is you offer up 
10 and your second for Xavier Howard in 18, and you just take Caleb Farley at 18, and all of a sudden you just revamped your secondary completely. Yeah, be solid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wilson's got to go. All right. Wilson's got to go do another podcast, so we will let him go, I suppose. Uh, do you want to promote any other podcasts? <laughs> yeah. Brossom.com. Check it out. Guys. Yeah, boy. Uh, oh, he actually left before the podcast ended. What a clown. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back for more draft coverage leading into it. See you guys. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.